Welcome to the Better the Pond podcast. In each episode, Warren Berry, CEO and founder of Instinctive Solutions, talks to amazing people doing incredible things that lead the charge of generosity. We'll discover what makes each guest a bit of an odd duck and how they continue to better the pond around us. The migration starts right now with our host, Warren Berry. everyone, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Better the Pond podcast, where we talk to amazing people doing incredible things that lead the charge of generosity. My name is Warren Berry, and I'm your host and founder of Instinctive Solutions, where we believe that everyone is an odd duck, but that's what makes them awesome. Now, today our guest is Dave Carroll. Dave is an award-winning singer, songwriter, speaker, and author with a, just a camera and a limited budget, Dave took on United Airlines single-handedly when they would not own up to their actions of breaking his Taylor guitar. United Breaks Guitars was the number one watched video on YouTube in 2009. Since then, he wrote the book United Breaks Guitars, The Power of One Voice in the Age of Social Media. He's speaking on stages around the globe about the power of storytelling. And his song, When the World Stops Ending, is a great story. Uh, regarding the COVID pandemic. Filled with compassion, Dave continually does what he can to better the pond. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Carroll. Uh, Dave, I want to thank you ever so much for taking the time to be on my Better the Pond podcast. Uh, I'm so excited to have you here, so thank you very much. Thanks, Warren. It's a pleasure. Yeah, I, I, I get to have an actual celebrity on my podcast. I mean, this is absolutely, this, this is like really exciting for me. Why, somebody else coming on the show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, international recording artists. I mean, there you go. The, 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 the guy who created United Breaks Guitars. I mean, it was an, uh, an absolutely incredible video that just went viral and, 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 and launched a whole new way for customer service for people. So I'm honored, my friend. Thank you, it's a pleasure. <laughs> so, Dave, um, you know, what got you from being a gosling, we're using the metaphor, you know, to leave in the nest, to got you where you are today? What's your backstory, Dave? So, uh, I was a s aspiring singer-songwriter. I picked up a guitar when I was in college, and it was a $125 guitar. I taught myself how to play before the internet, and and which is tricky because I didn't know the record books for songs and all that stuff. I really started from nothing. And uh, my brother and I entered a talent contest and we tied for first place and they paid us money. And so we said, I guess we're professionals now. And that felt like a, a better thing than staying uh, in, the, in the academic stream. I finished school, but I decided that I was a better uh, singer songwriter than I was a political scientist. And so I uh, jumped in with both feet and we started playing the pub circuit. We came to the East Coast from Ottawa in 1994 and uh, set up in Halifax and we've, we've carved out a career for ourselves since the early 90s playing music professionally and it's been now 30 years and our band Sons of Maxwell named after our dad Max uh, is still an existent uh, thing but my brother's a full-time firefighter now. We both have families and uh, about 11 years ago uh, Don got hired on the fire department. I was in line to maybe get hired in the fire department. And uh, I had had my guitar broken the year before by United Airlines. And I wanted them to take some responsibility and they wouldn't do it. So I, uh, in my free time, 
while I was waiting to maybe be hired and doing some solo work, I uh, picked away at this song to sort of bring out my uh, frustration of the broken guitar. It was called United Breaks Guitars. And I had some friends in the music business help me make the first of the three uh, songs in the trilogy that I promised the airline. And uh, it went crazy. So social media was just a brand new thing. I had heard about this thing called YouTube, and that's what I promised United Airlines, uh, the place where I would put this first of the trilogy on. And uh, it got a million views in four days. And I had forecasted that I was going to try and get uh, a million views with all three videos in one year. And I learned very quickly what a viral video was. And it turns out that uh, a $150 budget was enough to uh, put some creativity into something that ended up becoming a worldwide media frenzy. And the number uh, one most watched music video in the world for the month of July and the number six most watched video of any kind in the world for the month of July in 2009. So that sent ripple effects around the world because uh, BBC News and The Economist announced that the video had dropped United Airlines stock by $180 million. And all of a sudden, businesses everywhere were realizing, wait a second, social media isn't just about a cat flushing a toilet. It's about empowering uh, consumers. And they have a voice now. So companies that would have had millions of dollars to own the message still had that kind of budget to do their advertising. But guys like me had $150 and could be louder than they were if the message resonated and it was done right and you got lucky and that's where I was and it turned into a speaking career. So for the last uh, over 10 years, I've been traveling to over 34 countries and sharing the message of United Breaks Guitars, the story in the message and the insights and uh, the insights that I focus on now are storytelling as, as a craft and an art and a necessity if you're building a brand or care about your brand. And I also uh, talk about compassion a whole lot now. Um, about how businesses and personally we need to be compassionate because that is how you build a brand today uh, by caring about other people. Absolutely. Um, so to all of my listeners, you know, can you give me a little more of the backstory on, uh, you know, obviously United broke your guitar um, and you obviously you went to back to them to get some form of recourse and how did they, re how did they respond to that originally that really drew you to say, look, we, I, have to have, I have to do something about this. Yeah, so uh, the guitar, we, it was March 31st, 2008 that we, we got on the plane and we landed in Chicago. The guitar, car, guitar got broken, uh, was seen thrown by baggage handlers. And um, it was my $3,500 Taylor guitar that I had bought when I didn't have that kind of dough. <laughs> and I played it everywhere uh, I could. Uh, so it was my favorite guitar. And... Um, the, when the, the airline didn't want to do anything to fix it and so I promised them that I would do these videos and uh, it took about nine months for the airline to finally say you didn't open a claim within 24 hours so we're not responsible for the damage and that's where I said oh yeah well I'm going to do something else and my guitar was sitting beside me and I looked at it and I thought, I'm going to write three songs and three videos so I, I made the promise without really thinking about it it was a, a knee-jerk reaction to them shutting down a conversation after nine months of trying and uh, it took another seven months for me to actually write the song. The song came out pretty quickly, but to write it, record it, and uh, and get the video done took another seven months. So there was a long period of, of time for the song to to change. Wow! So they were they were not going to take any accountability for what had occurred. Yeah, no, they they didn't, and uh, that's that's a problem. That was maybe in the old days, no one was ever listening to what people were saying. And uh, I guess certain brands, uh, a lot of big brands, 
they had a customer service department, but they could dig their heels in and just say, no, I'm sorry, you're not, we're not doing it and I don't care how I feel. And I don't think that's, uh, that's ever been okay. But uh, when United Breaks Guitars came out, that was maybe a forerunner to what was coming down the pipe that you had to listen to your customers a little bit more now. So did you have any experience with the, um, the whole social media platform at the time it said YouTube was, you know, you, you know, heard of it. So what drove you to go into that whole social media market? Oh, strictly economics. It was free. Right. <laughs> uh, I didn't have any money to put behind it or the, the desire to fund it. I mean, uh, I was upset, but I wasn't going to throw $20,000 is what that's what we were used to spending on music videos mm -hmm. uh, and then create a music video. And what would you do with it? Where would the biggest challenge to indie bands back in, uh, the early 2000s or in the 90s was you could make a video but who's going to play it and now social media youtube was this thing you could dump it there and who knows anybody in the world could see it and uh but typically the videos were really shaky bad audio uh very superficial and not very meaningful and but still i thought uh, i'm going to try and make the best song sounding song i can uh i put a lot of energy into the writing of it so that it was at a high standard and uh the video quality was great because i had professionals in the industry who gave their time to it so it was a uh, it was sort of top drawer all the way with a campy low budge feel right? isn't that interesting you know that you could take well, what used to be twenty thousand dollars and you hope it went out to you know 150 dollars a camera and some people and and you you make this viral uh video it's just you know it's just amazing how things have changed yeah and I'm, when we were doing the music videos, we everybody had to go to a certain standard. The broadcaster said it has to be this. Uh, I mean, you, you couldn't do a five and a half minute video or, or you know, certain lengths. It had to be within a certain constraints. And uh, they had, CMT would have been the station that would have played us yep. uh, back in the day. And so they had a, a certain uh, tolerance for what the kind of content they would play. And if you fall out of that, then you're, you have no chance. And now you're sitting on a $20,000 video at the low end of uh, that uh, might never be seen. Right. So it was pretty transformative with when YouTube, YouTube came along, there was a chance for everybody to get heard potentially. And that's, that's where we are today, right? Yeah. Everybody can make cheap content and it has the potential to be huge. Yeah, to go global, absolutely. Um, so, you know, you, you, you took me from when you when you learned to play, you know, you, you got a guitar, you learned to play, and that's what I did too, actually. I got a guitar uh, way back before the internet. I went down to the local record store, I bought a chord book, um, and I listened to the radio. And that's how I learned how to play guitar. Um, so I, I, I get that whole piece. Dave, can you take me back to being a Gosling? I, I, I would just get a little bit of your backstory back before all that. So you're out on the East Coast and, and just sort of get me up to speed of kind of what, what as, a, as a kid, what was it like? And did you have a passion for music then and, and, and as, as you grew up? Yeah, so I'm actually not from the East Coast. I'm from Timmins, Ontario. And, okay. Uh, so that's where I was born in Schumacher and Timmins is, and Schumacher are the same sort of thing now. But uh, uh my dad was a miner and uh, my mom worked as a secretary at a trucking company and my brother Don and I just lived uh, and hung out there. And, and so we come from a blue collar background and uh, our dad's was a great dad. That's why we named our band after him. And his uh, policy as, as a dad was to bring music into our lives. And so he would bring his guitar into bed and sing with us when we shared a room. And uh, he would sing songs like uh, Buddy Holly, Peggy Sue and, 
and other uh, childhood classics like uh, Tom Dooley, a song about a guy cutting a woman's throat, right? Just, right. just to put you to bed and get you in that nice frame of <laughs> mind when you're a kid. But uh, his policy was if you don't know the music, you sing louder, and if you don't know the words, you play louder. And, and don't let what you don't know get you in the way of a good time. And so that, that was pretty fundamental because we entered that first talent contest year late, years later without any stage experience, and we actually learned six songs all the words that day sort of thing so uh wow uh and that made all the difference and and don and i didn't have any business being professionals for quite a while uh but we just kept jumping in and so we grew up in timmins uh with a tight family we still have very uh very tight nuclear family and uh great place to be from in timmins where you'll learn about small town uh values and friendships and and that sort of thing and i think that's uh carried me stayed with me anyway right so do you still have that same kind of philosophy in your life as you know small town keep it simple be kind be generous be yeah consistent. yeah uh i'm rooted in in sort of the universal truths of of things like family and uh and caring about other people and and uh i think uh one of the things i really talk about a lot now and I really believe in is, is compassion as a fundamental core value. And I have a protocol I call 3D Compassionate Design, which has basically three tenets, and that is to love and respect yourself uh, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And I think if you remember the Maslow, Maslow hierarchy of needs, the top is self-actualization, and, and right below that is self-love. And uh, a lot of people have a hard time with that. You can be nice to other people, but you don't always respect yourself or appreciate yourself. Right. And um, so I put that message in my music quite a bit. And uh, uh, so the first tenet is to love and respect yourself. The second is to look for the individual and in everyone you meet. So don't judge people uh, by their cover or their skin color or by their religion or their gender, that sort of thing. Look for the individual. And then when you do that, look for yourself and that individual, because if you look hard enough, you will always find yourself in the person you're with. And uh, if you love and respect yourself first, you will find something to love and respect in them as a basis to build a relationship. And if uh, you brought that into your personal life or to your office life, uh, your business, I think it, you would be better off than not doing that. Well, that's fantastic. And, you know, and I tell the listeners out there, I mean, you know, I really pay attention to what Dave just said, because I think that's absolutely huge for moving forward. And especially in these times where we're, you know, where we have, I mean, COVID is very stressful and it's all going on. We have down on the stage, we have Black Lives Matter going across the board. And I think that, yeah, by, by giving that message out of just, you know, loving yourself first, but then within that, then you give they have the opportunity to, to love those people around you as well. So uh, fantastic message, Dave. Uh, kudos. Yeah. So, um, Dave, what have you done differently to stand out? What's made you, you? Uh, good question. I think, um, like in terms of, in terms of music, uh, which is, that's, they say dance with the one that brought you there. So music has, has been a big part of my life for 30 years and it's been the driver of everything I've done economically, I guess. And what uh, stood out for Don and I is that when a lot of people were forming bands, we were a duo. We were one guitar and two voices, and we focused a lot on harmony, and we had the brotherly harmony thing. And so we, we sounded like three and four people sometimes because we, we uh, sang songs in a way that because there wasn't a third part, we could take whatever part we wanted. We could do the harmony and then sing the lead, and our voices were close enough that, that it, just the way we approached it sounded like three or four people sometimes. And so we were able to uh, 
entertain people by our our uh, the small number of people on stage and make them think, wow, this is really something special. And we were also able to make it work uh, on economies of scale ways. So we would divide every, everything by two, like crappy, crappy paychecks in two is better than crappy paychecks in four. <laughs> and so we were able to stay in the business and, and not have to get the, the cancer of every music career, which is the day job, and mm -hmm. just stay, stay in the game and uh, consider music a full-time affair. And we were able to ride through some pretty uh, tough times to get the good gigs. And the good gigs lead to other good gigs. And, uh, and I think that helped us uh, stand out, I think. And in terms of the songs I write, uh, I try to, as we, we spoke about before we got started, to brighten the feed. Mm -hmm. and uh there you know the, the cool music of any time is usually a little more avant-garde a little bit more on the edge and i'm a little bit more like john denver i think i think uh i like uh, a song with a good message that makes people feel better after they're done listening to it not angry mm -hmm. and uh and that's the way i want to feel so i try to put that in my music and uh i i like to think that it's got some cool uh aspects to it but i'm definitely not uh into uh, focusing on negative stuff too much and bringing people down with my music. Right. Yeah. I always try to bring people up. So, so in saying that, Dave, let's expand on this a little bit. I want to know, you know, what, what is your superpower? What, what makes you awesome? And this isn't about bragging. This isn't about ego. This is about what is it that, that part of you that you bring forward um, that makes a difference in the world? I think probably, uh, I say that everybody's superpower is storytelling, and I've spent a lot of time uh, thinking about how to craft a story. I've been doing it as a songwriter for 30 years, and when I got thrust into the spotlight with the with the video and became a speaker, that was the way I naturally gravitated. Uh, so in my, all of my talks, they're very story-based, and I'll focus on things that have happened to me or stories I've heard or or songs I've written about from things I've seen. And, uh, and when it's when it I do it right, it's effective and it reaches people in the heart. So it comes from the heart and, it, and I communicate at the heart level. And that gives me an advantage to the people that just try to give a data dump. They come in with their statistics and their graphs and their charts. And, and when people uh, wake up, they can maybe take a picture of the graph and chart for later and never look at it again. But a story that draws people in and gets them in the heart and gets a, creates an emotional connection, mm -hmm. if I can insert uh, something that uh, a charter graph after I've got their attention with the story, it has so much more impact. And uh, so the superpower I think I might have uh, is the appreciation for what a story can do and uh, how important it is to focus on that because that's what motivates other people. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've yet to see a, a charter graph motivate people. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, can you tell me about a time, uh, Dave, in your life? when someone did something for you that left an impact? Um, gee, uh, I've asked people this question too. Uh, it kind of reminds me when people say, what songs do you sing and you can never think of them? But yeah. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was a big, uh, here's a sports one. Uh, when I was in high school in grade nine, I developed a love of basketball in the summer of grade eight. So I went to a basketball camp and it really uh, changed my, my life, I think, because I found something that I might be good at and if I could develop my skills. And uh, I had a great coach in grade nine who believed in me and, and uh, I, I was a pretty good shooter from the outside. And I was we were playing a game and a championship game and 
I was depended upon uh, to do some stuff on, like score some points and stuff. And uh, I missed my first few shots and I was getting really down on myself. And he called a timeout to, to, for me to tell me, and the, the, everyone's huddled around. He says, you're going to make the next shot. And, and sure enough, I did. And uh, I remember the feeling that it was it's like in slow motion, I can go back to what it felt like to shoot it and kind of know it was going to go in, but not, not be confident and to see it go and make the swish sound. It just, uh, that was a pivotal moment. And it was because somebody uh, believed in me, his name's Al Scrag, and he was, uh, he was my, my midget coach. And uh, I, basketball was a huge part of my high school after that. And that was a kind of a defining moment. Hmm. Um, it isn't it interesting that how people cross your path in your life where they may say one thing to you and it just leaves that mark forever, uh, you yeah. know, and it's just one short conversation, but it, but it, but it affects you that much that you'll never forget it. Yep. Uh, and I, as, a, as a musician with, um, United Breaks Guitars introduced a lot of people to my music and uh, I have a song called now that's written, uh, written, inspired by the book, uh, Eckhart Tolle's book called the power of now. Mm. But living in the present moment, because that's all we have. And I tried to capture that in the song and it came out pretty good. And so there was a, I got an email a few years back from a woman that said, Dave, I'm in California and my mother's been in palliative care for a long time. And she uh, loves your song, uh, United Breaks Guitars. And she said, I want to know what else that boy's written. So I contacted your mom and I got a CD from your mom uh, that has your song now on it. And it's become my mom's favorite song. And she said, last night we were, uh, sitting together and my mother said put on Dave's music like we were old buddies and uh, she said we closed our eyes and listened to the song and when the song was over I opened my eyes but my mother passed away and uh, and she said thank you for the music and for having it there at that most important point or one of the most important points in her life right. and that never leaves you right it, it, it's uh, music uh, the music business can be a cold cruel and lonely world but uh, when you get a message like that it makes all the time and the effort worth it when you know that uh, you've written something that matters that much to someone at a truly important time that they want to put that on. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. That yeah. is, that is very, very powerful. And uh, yeah. And I understand too, that, I mean, I love music as well. Um, I am, uh, um, I'm all about, you know, the positive message. Um, and it's amazing, you know, on how you feel. And sometimes if you're feeling one way, you can put on positive music and it, just, it shifts you, it shifts that energy. And uh and again, and just like that moment that you just said, that that is that is that is a memorable moment in in that person's life that you know that you left a mark on as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, so while we're on the on the topic of music, I just want to bring this up. Um, I know I listened to when the world stops ending, mm -hmm. uh, I, which I loved. Uh, it was fantastic, and I saw your video as well. Um, what was the driver behind that? What can you give me just a bit of a backstory on that song? Yeah, typically I write the songs myself, but in this case, I uh, reached out to my friend Jamie Robinson, who lives not too far from here down the road, but uh, we wrote it over Zoom. And I said, I've got a title. Let's uh, try and write this song. And the title's When the World Stops Ending. And it was going to be about the, the pandemic for sure. And uh, when you're writing a song or when I'm writing a song, I ask questions about what, what could lead me to a different uh, line or a verse or a message. And so we were going back and forth of uh, what questions you could ask around that. And we thought, why don't we make the song all about the questions? And, and so that's what the verses are about. The, song, the verses in the song ask the questions, what will life be like uh, will we, when we get back on our feet? And, and, will we, and then the, the chorus 
gives us sort of a prescribed option to love each other better than we ever have before. And that's my hope for the song. And that's the message anyway. And uh, it came out really good. We, uh, we wrote it over Zoom in a couple of sessions and recorded it separately. It was mixed separately. So no two people were in the same room in the recording and writing of this. Uh, and just three people when we recorded the video when uh, I was doing uh, the live performance portion in an empty theater here uh, to, to drive home the point that people are, it's just not the same as it used to be. Yeah, I mean, it was it was very well done. Uh, it was moving. I, I was I was moved by that that not only the song but the video and how it was put together. So, um, all the listeners, I would highly suggest uh, going in and taking a look at that. Um, because and I should was, mention that we have a mutual friend, Gary Maxwell, and uh, his stepson uh, Josh Parley did all the video editing for that, and he did a fantastic job. He pulled uh, some stock footage in. He used some of the footage I crowdsourced from friends around the world and uh, the, footage, the footage that I got from that theater. And he did a great job. When we talk about storytelling, he told a great story with, with the video images. So, so should, we, should, Josh. should we give Josh a plug? Yes. Okay, so Defiant Astronaut. Um, yes. And Josh has done some work for me as well, which we're gonna be releasing in two weeks. So I'll uh, uh, watch for that. Um, he is nothing short of amazing, the work yep. that he does. Yeah, uh, he's a pleasure to work with. And yeah, when you get personalities in a room and especially artistic impressions and you're not even in the same room and somebody sends you an idea, uh, Jamie and I had opinions on things. This should be held for another half a second, that type of minutia. And yeah. he was great about it. He didn't complain and he just uh, uh, gave us the, the bulk of the thing and, and allowed us to t tweak it with him at the end. So. Yeah, uh, my work experience with him was was fantastic. Um, you, you know, you you go back and forth, and you say, well, you know, why don't we just tweak this or tweak that or do this? And he's like, no problem, and it's taken care of, right? He, yeah, he, he is unbelievably talented. Yep. So, so everybody needs a Josh Parley. Everybody needs a Josh Parley, the defined <laughs> astronaut. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tag him in this one. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so so Dave, what are you doing presently right now to better the pond? And um, in conjunction with that, and more importantly to me, <laughs> why are you doing it? So I'm trying to make use of the time that I have in the pandemic to sharpen the saw and come out stronger than I was before. And so I've been enjoying a lot of time with the family and, and uh, nurturing some of the time with the kids that I might have missed. And uh, that's what we talk about in the song as well, right? Uh, I appreciate things that I've, I think I've missed when I've been busier. But... Uh, uh, I mentioned that I believe in compassion a lot and the compassionate design. So I'm working on that. I think it will end up being a book someday. But I've also uh, written a children's book called Tom the Tomato Plant. And uh, it's a, it started as, as a children's story, but I think it works just fine as a business parable. And the arc of the story is that there's a tomato plant uh, that's smaller than all the other ones. And it doesn't get bought at the, at the uh, plant store until late in the season, but one family gives this plant a shot and uh, they uh, give him everything he needs to succeed and to, to grow. And he appreciates that and with gratitude, he grows these tomatoes. And, and uh, it, so it's a story about caring and compassion. And, but as a business thing, it's about leadership and resilience and uh, compassion and leadership. And so uh, I think I'm going to be building that into a workshop that I can take to businesses and organizations that wanna make compassion a fundamental core value so that it becomes a nicer place to work at and customers get better 
service and suppliers get paid in shorter amounts of time maybe and shareholders make money and the environment's better off and that's what uh i think a contribution i can make to the world and uh and i'm going to do it with music and speaking and all the all the things that i i do uh, right now i'm going to integrate into uh when i come out of this and and create an offering for people to uh maybe dig into those messages and we mentioned too, and we talked earlier about, you know, you so see, you have, uh, you have some music that you kind of have in the bank and you're saying that, you know, people don't buy CDs anymore, which is, which is actually true. Um, but I would assume you're going to continue to, are you going to continue to record and, and get that message out there through music, um, one song at a time or, you know, just whether it's YouTube or, or Apple or whatever the choice that you go with. Um, that is something that obviously I would assume you're going to keep moving forward with. Yeah. Uh, so I say I've got enough music to make a record, but, uh, the song we just talked about when the world stops ending, it's on YouTube. It's been there for six weeks or so. Um, and there's another song I was commissioned to write for the fallen firefighters of America and it's part of their annual, um, uh, memorial service for all of the fallen firefighters each year in the U S and uh, that will be part of it. That song's three years old. And so uh, I've already been releasing some of the music, I guess, to YouTube, but I'll have a more of a formal release. And I get, think I will focus on certain songs at a time and try and give some energy behind it and see if, if they resonate with people. And, uh, but uh, I'm not sure if I will do a, a full recording with a album cover shot and all the, the traditional way because no one consumes it the same way anymore. But I think there's still power in coming up with a collection of songs right. uh, just to make it more something to talk about. Right. Absolutely. Um, so a question that just popped in my head, Dave, is, you know, you keep talking about compassion and that's obviously a very strong core value. And I think, it, you know, I'm, I'm getting it. That's just who you are as, as a human being. You're just, you're a compassionate person. Um, where do you think, where does that stem from? Uh, trial and error because, uh, so I appreciate the comment that I'm a compassionate person and I try to be, but uh, I have my bad days like everybody else, plenty of them. And, but the, my goal is to have uh, fewer, fewer and fewer bad days. So you got a good day, uh, 10 bad days and another good day. Well, hopefully eventually you have so many good days in a row that the bad days are, are uh, almost non-existent. And that's, uh, that's what I want to aspire to be because that's when I'm happiest. That's when I feel better. I don't need, a vacation to get away from the life that I hate for the other 51 weeks, right? I want to have, uh, I want to be happy wherever I am. And I find that uh, I'm happiest when I care about other people. Uh, and I feel like the purpose of every life and the purpose of every business person should to be a, of service to other people. Mm -hmm. not, not just because that's what's selling these days, but because that's what sells. That's what, that's what people will pay you for and be loyal to you for. And you develop relationships and friendships and I'm going to have all that. Uh, so I think compassion is the way forward. And it, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's uh, uh, the easy thing is to, is to go to social media and get fired up and take a position, a hard stand like everybody else. And sometimes the, the hardest thing is to stay in the middle. I like to stay in the middle of everything because I can hear both sides if I'm in, in the middle. Yeah. And, uh, and then I, uh, bring other people to me in the middle. Uh, I, I really don't, uh, I'm not at my best when I'm digging in and pushing back against something hard. And that's a, I'm a work in progress like everybody else.
Yeah, I think we all are, right? Um, but it's to have that mindset and 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 to have that that self that self awareness, right? When things start to do start to go bad, is to keep try to reel yourself back in again, and and you know, and you know, as there was a, a great tech chair for, I will put a shout out to Tech Canada, uh, Linda Allen Hardesty was a, my was a tech chair that I did a speaking engagement for, and she said something to me that just stuck, and she says, she says, do the right thing and then do the next right thing. Right. right. A pattern, right? Create a yeah. pattern of right, right, right things. So when you look at compassion is to do the compassionate thing and then do the next compassionate thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that that in turn, um, you know, is number one is inspiring for hopefully others to do, to do the same. Um, but it also, um, you know, it, there's, I don't think there's resistance, there's never resistance to compassion. No, that's a funny thing, right? It's uh, it's free and it's contagious. And so uh, it's hard to dig in and push back against somebody who's not pushing. Right? So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, so Dave, what, what does the future look like? Um, you know, what do you dream about? Um, can you paint me a picture of your golden pond? Probably, uh, in the next several years. My kids are 11 and eight, so I have a vision of them growing up, uh, being confident and loving themselves and and uh, jumping into things that they're passionate about, that they're happy to do, that are making a positive impact in the world. So I've got my work cut out for me to uh, try and help them along that road. And so to do that, I need to be present. So I'm not looking to go on the road and uh, be a road warrior anymore, um, but uh, I do enjoy getting out there and, and sharing uh, messages that I think make the world a better place. So, uh, speaking and singing and performing, uh, writing, creating workshops, uh, uh, and scaling them. So understanding now more than ever that there's only one of me, I can't do all of it. Mm -hmm. So if I can create a program that has those core values and can be taught in a way that, that uh, makes the world a better place and other people can do it and create jobs for other people and have a bigger impact. then that's what I want to do. So, I'm, I'm thinking ahead towards uh, scaling the ideas I have into uh, into a business that that can do it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, through the through this whole pandemic, um, I, I in my opinion, it's given a lot of people the opportunity to to stop, reflect, and really start to reevaluate things. I mean, there, yes, there's been a lot of the stress along with it. Um, so, you know, do you share that same thought and, and what do you see if, if that's the case, what do you see coming out the other side of this? Uh, initially when we, when we got into the lockdown, I think people were shocked and they were uh, a little bit afraid, but also they were noticing and wait a second, I did, I didn't drive two hours on the highway today, commute to and from a job. And with that extra time, I didn't come home stressed out and I actually enjoyed some time with my kids or I read a book for the first time in a year, that's that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so people started to wake up and realize there were those, uh, those benefits to being, uh, having more time for yourself maybe. And uh, I think as we're moving along, there's a danger that that will be lost as we go back into uh, something that's normal again. And uh, beyond that, uh, I think there's a real danger in, in the States uh, right now with the divisions that they have there i think the, the potential for, for civil war and whatever kind of civil war that would look like is is high 
And so I'm worried about what that would mean if we're each other's biggest trading partners and they're our closest ally and, and closest country. Uh, I would be worried about that spilling over. So uh, I'm, I'm more jazzed than ever to come up with a message that says we're, we have more in common with each other than we don't. Everyone just cool, uh, <laughs> cool your jets, right? And appreciate our commonalities more than our differences. Uh, so uh, I think there's, it, there's, we're heading for uncertain times, I think. And uh, you can control some and you, can, and you can't control a lot. But uh, I want to make a difference on the things that I can control and influence people to uh, take a more positive look. That's Yeah, and I think that the message that you have, Dave, is, is more important now than ever as we're seeing the world change so drastically. And, you know, I, and I, I dream of a person, I dream of a world with, with, more, with more love and compassion. And I'm, I'm not trying to sound airy, but it's, but, you know, if, if you have that, you just, you take so much of that tension away and, you know, the world can be a better place. It doesn't need to be all this, you know, um, the, the fighting and the rivalries. And, you know, um, if we just stop for a second and, and again, come from that place of compassion. Yep. And one, one thing I noticed, uh, just reading history and, and meeting people that have fought serious wars, uh, the ones who have seen the worst of it always say it wasn't worth it. And uh, the, they come back changed for the worse. And, and they say, like, lest we uh, forget, let's not do that again. And uh, that it's not just in all out hand to hand combat war. That, that's for uh, just in general, how we deal with other people. It's not worth it if uh, uh, the damage that uh, fighting each other causes. I think we, if we could settle into and appreciate the person before us, look to find ourselves in, in them and have a basis for something to find in them and say we have more in common than we don't. Uh, sometimes it's more work, but uh, life's, life's pretty good when you, you don't have to go down to that extreme to come back and appreciate what you had before you destroyed everything. Great. Exactly. So, you know, my mission, uh, even with these pond casts, um, I have, um, so I, I have, I have goose here. He's going to, he's going to be announced in, on the 25th. Wait for it. Um, he's actually got a name, but, uh, but you know, my mission, you know, have the map behind me, um, is by the time that, that I die, I want that map to be completely scratched off that, that we've bettered the pond around the globe. Right. And everybody doing something for somebody else, which does something for somebody else. Right. And eventually yeah. that we've made that impact that we've, you know, we've bettered the entire pond because we're all in the same habitat. And, um, and, you know, if we just do one kind thing for somebody else, right, we've made a difference. And, and that's obviously what, uh, what you're doing as well. So, um, so thank you for bettering the pond, Dave. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so that's a great I, idea. <laughs> Um, yeah, so if you, uh, you know, if there's anything that, uh, that you can do better to better the pond, you let me know I'll, somewhere else in the world. Like, so if you aren't, so we've, I have not, we've not bettered the pond in PEI. This is now officially your responsibility to better yeah. the pond. You let me know. I'll scratch it off the map. We got, and, and we're, we're going on with the mission. We just did a family vacation there, uh, last week for four days in PEI. So, so. Uh, now, did you do, I saw that on Facebook. So did you do something for somebody else while you were there? Uh, we, well, we brought, I didn't, didn't do it just myself, but we had uh, several campfire sing-alongs at night where uh, there were people that left very grateful for the music and they didn't know there would be a, 
a moonlit uh, open star, starlit sky uh, bonfire sing along. And uh, sometimes I find those those moments when you're away make the whole vacation. So probably there were other people there that just thought they were going to go to the beach with their kids and they got to enjoy a sing along thing at night too. And uh, music uh, makes memories. I get to scratch that off the map now. <laughs> You better see. You better the pond, Dave. You there better you go. the pond. So I really want to thank you so much uh, today for your time. I want to thank you for sharing your story um, sincerely. Uh, I do. I do honestly appreciate and re and respect uh, your compassion and the work that you're doing to make the world a better place. Um, where do we go to find you, Dave? Uh, everything for Dave Carroll is at DaveCarrollMusic.com. You got to put the music part in. So Dave at DaveCarrollMusic.com is my email. Dave Carroll Music is the uh is the website so everything is there and uh we find you also on the, the social platforms so we obviously are on youtube we know that uh facebook linkedin uh, linkedin and twitter and instagram i guess i'm on that i'm on that too okay I'm, so we, uh, all the big ones. we can we can find you all over the place yes <laughs> All right, so there you have it, folks. It was a great time here today uh, with Dave Carroll. Um, this is Warren Berry flocking off to take you beyond the pond to better the pond because we're better together. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Warren. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for landing on the Better the Pond podcast. Do you know someone who should be in our flock? Contact Warren at warren at instinctivesolutions.ca to tell us their story. Until next time, what ripples will you create? Cheers. <laughs>